Welcome to the root of all success with the real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs unlocked success and how their stories can help you do the same. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason has built multi-million dollar businesses that have been featured in Inc. Magazine and Entrepreneur Magazine. His life's mission now is helping entrepreneurs live what he calls hashtag the exit lifestyle. Introducing TEDx speaker, mastermind leader, author, entrepreneur, cigar aficionado, motorcycle enthusiast, and host of the root of all success, the real Jason Duncan. The real Jason Duncan. Well, welcome back to another episode of the show. I am the real Jason Duncan. I'm going to be talking with Jerry Feta today. Jerry Feta is the founder and CEO of a company called Wealth Dynamics, and he's only 30 years old. And I say only 30. I mean, I'm I'm only in my 40s, but I, I, I what this guy has accomplished in these first 30 years of his life, which really have only happened in the last 12 is nothing short of phenomenal. He helps make finances simple, true, and applicable. And uh, he's got this company, as I said, Wealth Dynamics, that's a financial firm that helps thousands of clients across the U.S. build wealth. And he has this passion for doing these three things with his clients, which he's going to talk about in the show today, which is financial education, becoming solvent, and creating greater financial freedom in life. Uh, he's married to his wife and business partner, Lexi, and together they have achieved financial independence by the time they reached 30. It's a pretty, pretty phenomenal story. You're going to talk, you're going to hear us talk about how he grew up in Alaska and I'll ask him some weird questions about daylight and dark in Alaska. Uh, but he started out as a professional bodybuilder and then decided to get into the financial game. And that financial game has opened up an entirely new life for him. And you're going to hear him talk about his definition of success that most people on my show don't give. So pay attention to that when we get to that spot in the show. But without any further ado, please welcome Jerry Feta to the root of all success. Well, Jerry, welcome to the show, my man. Thanks, Jason. Good to be on today. Well, I'm excited to talk to you because um, I'm always interested, not only am I interested in successful entrepreneurs, which is what this show really is all about. But I'm always interested in talking about money. And mm -hmm. because I, I'm, I'm so curious about people's money stories, how they how they create wealth, how they generate wealth and what they're doing with the money once they get it. As a matter of fact, I posted on on uh, on my socials yesterday an image that said, you know, making money is the easy part. What you do with it is the hard part. Yeah, <laughs> and so, uh, <laughs> I agree. Um, yeah. So I'm really interested to see uh, hear your story. So why don't you uh, uh, tell me a little bit about how you got your start as an entrepreneur? I mean, you're a 30 year old dude. You're very successful. You're killing it. You and Lexi are doing a fantastic job, which I know we're going to get into all the details. But how did you start as an entrepreneur? Yeah, so I got started actually at 18. Um, you know, I graduated high school. I grew up in Alaska. So um, I graduated high school. I was super into, you know, bodybuilding. I was a competitive bodybuilder from the age of 16. And uh, my thing was I was going to graduate and I was going to become a personal trainer and I was going to win Mr. Olympia and that was going to be it. And uh, so I got my job at the gym. I, I literally, you know, I walked off the stage with my diploma and I went and did my first personal training session. And um, that was not a business as a job. Right. And so, you know, long story short, I climbed up to the top as, as high as I could climb within six months and realized someone's either got to quit, die or retire for me to go anywhere. Um, you know, upward mobility just wasn't a thing there. And so 
you know, I had a friend that was like, you should check out, you know, being like in financial services as a business owner and stuff. And I was, I was not really interested in it, but I checked it out and I fell in love with, you know, the concept of helping people with money, very similar, like trade-offs between that and fitness. Like there's a lot of like truth there that like, bleeds into both sides of it. Uh, but I also love the idea of like, you know, doing it my way, like blazing my own trail, you know, at a young age, like you don't know stuff yet. So I'm, you know, my way is the right way. And that, that resounded with me. And so that's, that's what got me into being an entrepreneur. So Alaska, I got to ask, man, like, so you grew up in Alaska, what part of Alaska? So I grew up in a town called Big Lake, um, you know, super backwoods. I think my graduating class had 60 kids in it. Um, you know, I used to take my little Chevy tracker off-roading in the woods. You know, I smoked my first cigar when I was 16 years old. Like, it was, it was that kind of place. <laughs> Where is uh, Big Lake? What's that close to for those of us that don't really know everything about Alaska? Yeah, just, that's a good question. So Alaska, the main city is Anchorage. Um, there's a little thing you can do with your hand, too. So this is like what the state looks like on a map, right? So you've got like Juneau down here. You've got like the Aleutian chain. Anchorage is like right here. That's the big city. And then Big Lake is like uh, maybe an hour away from Anchorage, maybe hour and a half. So how many hours of daylight did you have on any given day? Dude, it's interesting. So in the in the wintertime, like right now, like if you were to go to Alaska, it's probably you probably have 16 hours a day of dark. Um, the winter solstice is the darkest day, which is like around Christmas or New Year's. And I think that that is like 19 or 20 hours a day of dark. But the summer flips. So summer solstice, you've got 20 hours a day of daylight. Wow. So what what did you like better, more daylight or more dark? Uh, daylight for sure. I live in Florida now, so there's there's my answer. <laughs> well, that was, <laughs> was, was going to be my years, segue. It was 20 years too much. <laughs> yeah. So you lived there for a long time. You're like, I got to get out of this, man. I got to go back to 1212. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I exactly. Have, I got to have a dark. So do you, like, this is, has nothing to do with entrepreneurship, but it's curious to me. I don't know many people from Alaska. So did you yeah. have like blackout shades in your bedrooms and stuff so that you could sleep because it's so yeah. light outside? When I was a kid, so I was born in Montana. We moved up there when I was five. And so I remember the first summer I was there, it was like impossible to sleep. You know, like you're a little kid, you're used to like it being dark and stuff. And so uh, we had blackout shades uh, in the summertime. And in the winters, you know, it's already black. So you leave for work and it's dark. You come home and it's dark. And it's like it was never daylight in the first place if you didn't leave the office. Oh, my gosh. Well, so you escaped, escaped that. Now you're in sunny Tampa, Florida. Um, yeah. now bodybuilding, what, what got you into bodybuilding? Why was it just as a kid, you did that for sports and then you really liked it. What, why did, how did you get into that? Yeah. So I was a really skinny kid in, in school. Um, so in, in middle school, you know, high school, I was really into basketball. And so I wasn't strong enough to like shoot from long range with, with uh, basketball. And so I had, I had figured out like if I could make my triceps stronger, I could shoot better. So I started doing workouts uh, and I just fell in love with it. And my team, you know, in school, we were like a tiny school. And so we sucked. We lost all of our games. I was always a hard worker. So I would work my ass off at practice. And then we would just go get beat up, you know, whether this was football and basketball. Uh, it was the same thing across the board. Uh, with bodybuilding, when I put in the work, I saw the result. And there wasn't this, you know, if somebody else didn't work hard, it impacted me. And so I really fell in love with that part of it. And then I saw too, like the direct physical transformation. You know, I went from being, you know, 120 pounds and skinny to 160 pounds and competing in bodybuilding shows. And that was, you know, something I could look at it, be like, I know how I did that. And it was something I had a lot of control over. So you were, is it fair to say that you were pretty passionate about bodybuilding at that time? 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that would probably be an understatement even. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, you know, what's what's funny about this show is that I've interviewed, interviewed a couple of very successful entrepreneurs like you who also had similar stories about being the skinny kid, little kid, and went into bodybuilding. But I have not interviewed a big meatball. Like, I've not interviewed that guy who was always the big guy and got into bodybuilding. So what's interesting is I've interviewed guys that are on the smaller side of the scale who decided, I want to do this because I want to bulk up. So I don't know. I don't know what that means for entrepreneurship, but that's that's the folks I've interviewed on here. But So you went from bodybuilding into maybe the gym. You thought, I'm going to get into the gym space. Mm -hmm. didn't work out. Who was the first person that said financial industries to you? You might want to consider that, Jerry. So it was actually my, my um, bodybuilding coach. He was in financial services. Um, and so he was like, hey, you know, this is, this is something I think you should check out. I think you'd be good at it. Now, I grew up poor, um, you know, so I, I, it wasn't something I had on my radar. I wasn't interested in finances. Like I had more, I had more bad stories with finances than I could count. So it wasn't something where I was like, yeah, let me go learn about this. Um, but I trusted him. So I went to, to, to his office. I checked out the company and then, and what they were doing and I didn't understand a lot of it, but I saw solutions, right? Like they were, they were very focused on like, here's how you get out of debt. Here's how you increase income. Here's how you invest. Uh, investing to me was like a foreign language. Like it wasn't something I ever imagined in my life I would be doing. So I liked the help aspect of it. And I it had a lot of parallels with the gym too. So I could see, you know, like, you know, lose weight, you got to burn more than you than you eat, you know, to, to save money, you got to earn more than you spend. And I saw some of those things. I was like, okay, I think I could get on board with this. So your bodybuilding coach, ironically, is the person who led you out of bodybuilding as a potential career, you go into investing. So did you did you originally I know you're not you've had your own firm now, uh, dynamics, mm -hmm. right? So when you started, obviously you didn't go build your own firm. Did you go work for a brokerage firm? Is that, and feel free to share the name if you want, but did, is that what you did? Is that you just went to work and yeah. trained under them? Yeah. Yeah. So I got licensed and trained. I worked for a, a pretty large national company, um, you know, got my licensing, got my training. And, um, you know, when you get into the industry, especially with finances, I call it retail. There's a lot of like the normal stuff that the everyday American hears about the 401k plan, the mutual funds, all that. So that's really where I got taught um, coming from a place where it was like when I was nine years old, like all in the same summer, we lost our house, car got repoed, mom and dad got divorced and we're homeless. Um, so I'm learning about mutual funds now. And I'm like, what? Like, it's like the matrix. It's totally different for me. Um, so that's how I got started. And then as I started to explore and, and observe more and more in the finance world of like what else is out there, that's when I slowly evolved into my own firm, uh, you know, getting more into what I would call the alternative side now on, on what my company does today. Homeless. How long were you guys homeless? So it was for a summer. I did it a few times, um, not by choice, but we, uh, so my mom and dad get divorced. Uh, I'm probably eight or nine, right? So we did, we went tent camping with my dad all summer and I thought, I thought we were just camping. We actually didn't have a house, so we had nowhere to stay. So we were tent camping uh, in Seward, Alaska for about two or three months. Um, you know, and then my mom's house, same thing. So we were living in like a like a travel trailer, like a camper behind somebody's house. Um, you know, and when you're eight, you don't think about that. It's actually kind of cool. You're like, man, I get to camp. And then, you know, as an adult, you look back on it, and you're like, we were definitely homeless like that. We didn't have another place to go put our roof under over our heads. We you know, perspective is such an valuable, valuable thing. I mean, your parents looking at that situation, probably the worst had to be some of the worst times of their lives. Mm -hmm. And yet their kids 
like you, do you have siblings? Did you have siblings? Yeah. Yeah. I had two brothers. Yeah. So you're, you and your brothers, you're looking at like, this is the biggest adventure of my life. This is awesome. We'll get to tent camp we'll get to live at a camper. And like, this is awesome. So perspective is such a weird, interesting thing, isn't it? When we look at the same situation mm. from a different perspective, different point of view, it can really change everything. How much do you think that mindset and that perspective issue plays into success with money? You know, I think it, it, it is everything, right? Everything comes down to viewpoint. How do I see something? Um, and viewpoint comes down to, you know, our own thoughts and our own, you know, ability to look at things to make them into what we need them to be. Um, reality is a very subjective thing. And so with finances, that's that's one of the main issues people can run into is they they have this idea that it's this very firm, decided upon structural thing. And it's like, well, no, no, money is just an idea. You know, the dollars that we earn, they're not actually backed by anything. They're printed into existence. Like it's a very fluid thing. And so when I look at that and I'm like, okay, well, if it's that, you know, fluid, excuse my dogs back here. Well, if it's that fluid, um, you know, it's something that I want to be able to, to, you know, decide here's how it's going to work. Here's how I'm going to grow my income. Here's how I'm going to grow my business. Um, so there's a lot there that with entrepreneurs, with finances, we, we kind of get that because we get to create it on the front end. When I was an employee and I had a job, it wasn't as much that way because I didn't see how the money was made. I didn't see the decisions that were being made to create it. So a lot of people grow up in um, in homes like yours where they, they live hand to mouth and, and they maybe even homeless as you as you experienced. And then that that uh, that I guess the pattern continues to be repeated for the next generation. So the, 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 the kids in that situation who are tent camping or homeless end up growing up and being also homeless and very little mm-hmm. impact on society, living hand to mouth, W2 earners who are not making any money and you know, whatever. Why, why do you think some people like you rise above that and others don't? You know, I think it's a disagreement with the situation. Um, you know, when I, when I looked at it, like as a kid, like I didn't understand how it all happens as an adult, when I started looking at it and learning about finances, especially, and that was a big step, even deciding I'm going to go learn. Right. And I think that that's really the spark that kicks it off is someone can have, whether it's a financial situation or it's a family situation or a health situation, you know, something bad happens, a non-optimum situation comes up and I can look at that and say, okay, this is my story now and I feel bad about it and it sucks and that's my life. And then I perpetuate that. Or I can say that doesn't seem quite right. Like, you know, because I, I can look around and see that not everyone's going through that. There are people that have money. There are people that are in good physical condition. Um, there are people that have good relationships. What do they know that I don't? That's where it starts, you know, and I had that same mindset. I think this comes down to the individual person to person. I had that same mindset with the gym. I was a skinny kid. I couldn't shoot the ball. And I was like, there are people that can shoot. What do they have that I don't? Instead of quitting basketball, I figured out what do they have that I don't? Let me go work on that. If they can do it, I can do it. And I think that's the mindset difference there is, is if they can do it, I can do it. And then actually following through on that. So mindset, you said that a couple of times. We've talked about that. I feel like that comes up a lot on my show is this idea of mindset. And, mm-hmm. and I love what you said that it was a disagreement with the situation. So many people just accept their situation as this is reality. And that really, in fact, is a mindset, isn't it? I mean, it's a way you accept, like, this is what we're dealing with. This is who I am. But you grew beyond that. What do you think, besides the disagreement, besides the key, you know, the fact that you had a mindset shift, mm-hmm. were there other keys that led you out of that besides those two things? You know, I think bodybuilding helped a lot. Um, 
you know, that was, that was something where, you know, if we, there's mindset involved that too, but if we step out of that part of it, um, I know if I worked in the gym, I was going to see results. I know if I followed my diet, I was going to see results. Um, you know, for me, I was to the point where I would measure my food. If I was going to eat chicken, it went on a scale first. I knew exactly how many ounces and grams it was going to be. Um, so there was a lot of preparation and passion that, that went into like just getting all of that lined out to be successful at it. Um, and with finances, it's a lot of the same stuff. You know, you don't have to be as intense. I think the intensity is from one person to the other, but the practices, you know, be willing to put in the work, be willing to go the extra mile, be willing to, you know, know your metrics, you know, with the food, for example, be willing to plan ahead and prepare. Um, it doesn't matter what you apply that to, that's going to be successful. And I, I did that from the age of 16. I still do it today. Um, I don't compete, but those, those habits have stuck with me. So you, uh, you at 18, 19, you decide to go into bodybuilding, you know, the gym, all that, but, but you shifted into financial services. How old were you when you made that shift? So I, I shifted at 18. Yeah. So I, I, I literally graduated and then I went to the gym and I was there for about six months and I got promoted from entry level to the head personal trainer of the entire gym. Uh, and I, at first I was like, this is badass. Like I'm the top guy. And then I realized like, I'm 18. Like there's people that are like 70 working here. I can't be the head personal trainer till I'm 70. Like where <laughs> am I going to go? Early. <laughs> <laughs> you peak too early, man. Okay. So, so you get, so at 18, you make a shift into the finances, uh, financial services. You're 12 years into that journey now as a, as a 30 year old, you mm -hmm. started wealth dynamics. Uh, what year? Uh, wealth dynamics. We started the LLC in, 2016 or 2017. Okay. So five years ago, five, six years ago. And yeah. um, when did you, so you've authored two books, how to create wealth and mm. the blueprint to financial freedom. Wh which one was first was the blueprint book. The first one. Uh, so how to create wealth was the first one. I published that I think in 2018 uh, and then blueprint to financial freedom was the second one, which I published in 2020 um, and then I actually wrote a third one, uh, which is more of a journal. It's a financial habit journal. It's called the big three challenge. And it just gets people, you know, doing some of those daily activities and turning those into routines. Okay. I didn't know about that. So the big three challenge, which is a finance, you called it a financial journal. Yep, exactly. Well, that sounds interesting. So, uh, tell, tell, tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. So I, I think I've got a copy. Let me, let me grab it here. Yeah, go ahead. So this one really, it comes down to, you know, three, three main behaviors that need to happen every day. So, um, you know, like for example, on, on a page here, you know, you'll see in the morning or afternoon, whenever someone does this, the first thing they should do is they should check off that they did something to learn about money. Um, and so we, we have, you know, a triangle on the top of the page, they'll check off each point. First one is did I do some kind of financial education or training today. Uh, second point is did I do something additional to earn income today? So not did I earn income, did I do something extra, right? And it's not even did I earn it, it's did I put in the activity. And then the third one is did I account for my expenses? Um, and if someone does those three things every day, there's a lot of other stuff you can and should do, but at a very basic level, if you learn about money for 10 minutes, you do something extra to go the extra mile to earn income and you look at where your money went for the day, that behavior is going to build, build wealth. And, and you can supplement that and you can do all sorts of other things, but if that's missing, there's not a tool or investment out there that I can give you that's going to replace that. So in, uh, in how to create wealth, you, you talk about something called the 40% rule. What is that? 
Yeah, so this one is really cool. So historically, when you look back at, at the top 1%, they save about 40% of their gross income. And so that's what I you know, teach my clients to do. That's what I started striving to do early on was if I could just do that one thing. To me, that seemed like the linchpin, right? Like, you know, you can earn income and I've met people that do very well at that. Um, you know, you can invest. I've met people that do very well at that. But if I'm not saving so that I can invest, there's nothing to invest. And that saving has to come off the top. So when I looked at, there's a chart that I saw. When I looked at this chart, it showed from 1913 through till today. Uh, and it showed the wealth classes and it showed the top 1% saving about 40% on average. But I would also see these dips. And the dips were things like the Great Depression, the 1950s recession, you know, the tech bubble, the mortgage crisis. And so what you would actually see on the chart is during economic booms and expansion, the 1% were saving. So they weren't getting involved. Like if you if you've read, I think two or three years ago, Warren Buffett came out saying he had like $120 billion in cash or something like that, um, just sitting on the sideline. And that was during a really good economic period. When it came down, the depression happened in 1930. You see that the savings rate of the top 1% not only dropped, but it went into the negative. Like they were actually borrowing money. And so that's showing like you, you, you make hay while the sun shines, you stack the money up and save it during those good times. And then the bad time, everything goes on sale. Uh, and you want to be the guy that's there with the resources and assets to go buy those things. So what do you think about Robert Kiyosaki saying savers are losers uh, based on what you're talking about then? You know, uh, I have a love hate relationship with Kiyosaki. He's very successful. Uh, and, it, and I don't even think it's his fault. The same thing can happen with, with you know, a Grant Cardone or whoever they're doing a video. People don't have the full context. So we read this something in a book. We see something on social media and we don't get the full picture. Um, obviously, Robert Kiyosaki probably saves money. I would bet money that if you went and checked his company out, he's got reserves. But what he's saying is he's saying don't save for no reason. Like don't leave the money in the bank. And so um, you know, I teach people it's not just what, what, what you make, it's what you keep, right? But it's not just what you keep, it's where you keep it and why you're keeping it there. And so if I'm yeah. saving for the purpose of investing, then that's a great thing. That's literally how wealth is built. If I'm saving without a purpose and I'm putting it in a bank account where they're going to loan it out and invest it anyways, and they're going to pay me nothing, um, then yeah, that's not a wise financial move. That's, that's retail financial consumerism is what I would call that. I'm going to the financial drive through rather than actually handling my business. Let's take a quick break to thank our amazing sponsors for making this podcast possible. As an entrepreneur, I know that you have to deal with sales on a regular basis. I mean, every entrepreneur does. And if you aren't paying attention to sales as an entrepreneur, you're not going to be an entrepreneur for very long. But I've got a sponsor of this show called Dub that helps you bring the personal back to sales. If you want to figure out how to improve content creation, improve client trust, improve your sales process, decrease the sales cycle, because we all know time kills deals. If you want to increase client bookings and increase conversions, you need to take a look at Dub. There's a special offer for Dub for listeners to the root of all success at therealjasonduncan.com slash Dub. And that's D-U-B-B. I've been using this for years. I'm a huge fan and I'm so honored that they're our primary sponsor of the podcast. They have helped over 60,000 businesses around the world communicate better to make sales 
easier, to make sales more personal. Dub is built for growing teams. I mean, you can set up video emails, you can set up custom onboarding, you can do admin reporting, anything you need around video and sales and automation, Dub is there. You can try Dub now. Your conversions to sales are waiting. All you got to do is go to therealjasonduncan.com slash Dub. And there you're going to get two weeks for free to try Dub. Plus, you're going to get 50% off your first two months of Dub. You can't, you can't beat that. So go check it out. Go to therealjasonduncan.com slash Dub. 40 years ago, you weren't in business unless you had your business in the yellow pages. You remember those things? <laughs> and 30 years ago, you weren't in business unless you had a door-to-door salesman. 20 years ago, you weren't in business unless you had a website. And today, you're not in business unless you're doing social media content. Am I right? Social media content. Social media content in the form of like micro content, which is 30 to 60 second spots on Instagram Reels or TikTok or YouTube Shorts. That's the way business is done. As a matter of fact, that may be how you found out about this podcast or me as a business coach. This medium that we're using today to communicate what we do is vitally important. And just recording yourself isn't enough. You've got to do it right. And my friends over at Story do it right. And one of the problems with doing it wrong is that you sit around thinking, well, what the heck am I going to record? How, what am I going to say? How am I going to say it? Like, I don't, I don't know what to talk about. Well, story takes all of that away from you. Stop wasting time trying to come up with content because story will send you a video prompt on what to record. You can pick the categories you want to record in, whether it's real estate, entrepreneurship, finance, relationship, leadership, life insurance. It could be anything. Don't waste time on that. And by the way, if you're not confident in talking on video or if the video editing portion takes up way too much of your time, Story will edit the videos to perform well on social media. They add the subtitles, the pop-ups, the Zoom cuts. They remove all the filler words like uh and um and uh. They remove the awkward pauses. And then they take that video and post it for you. They write the captions. They add the relevant hashtags. And they post it on the platforms that you care about the most. It's exactly what you need to be in business today. to be successful at it. So if you want to learn how to do social media the way the influencers do, you need to go to therealjasonduncan.com slash story. And that story with two Y's. Why? Because they're awesome. Go to therealjasonduncan.com slash story. That's S-T-O-R-Y-Y for 10% off your first three months to try story out. You're going to thank me later. Thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now back to the show. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't save your way to wealth. It, 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 saving that, there has to be intent and purpose behind it. Where do you recommend? I know this is not a financial advice show, but generally sure. speaking, if somebody's going to put forty percent of their income aside for the purpose of investing, do you recommend a certain type of vehicle to have that sitting in? Yeah, so there's three places I like for that. Um, so I like to put it for myself. I do a lot of high early cash value life insurance. Um, you know, for me, it's safer than a bank. I'm getting a higher return, but I can actually borrow against it. So I can have my money growing uh, and be able to use it and kind of double dip on the interest. Um, I am big on gold as well, uh, physical gold. Um, you know, it's a real tangible asset. That's another one you can borrow against. People don't realize that that's an option there. And then the third one I like is real estate. Um, real estate is a little bit less liquid. There's higher holding costs. So that's usually not a starting point that I'll tell people to go into. Um, but it is a great place to store value. 
And so, you know, for me, rather than saving, I like to think of it as that I'm storing value. Um, just like if I'm storing food in the fridge, like I need that place to keep the goods fine until I'm ready to use them. Um, same thing with money, right? So that's, that's my big three that I like to use. Life insurance, gold, and real estate. Very yeah. interesting. So I'm yeah. with you on two of those. I'm not yeah. into gold at all. Uh, doesn't mean I don't like it. I just not, I'm just not there, but, yeah. uh, for sure life insurance and, and, and for listeners to this show, they know that that's what I, one of the things I talk about. It's this little known thing that most people don't understand about this cash value life insurance that can it's be cool, huh? the most amazing storage place for money in the world. And yes, it is a little difficult to understand at times. And if you don't keep in it, you don't understand how this all works. But, uh, and then of course, real estate. I mean, if you look at the Forbes 500 top richest people in the world or Forbes list of richest people in the world, what you'll find is that those people, real estate and business ownership, that's how they made yeah. their money. And so yeah. I, I think that's, uh, I think that's really, really interesting. So what would you, what would you say was uh, your biggest key to success building wealth dynamics, becoming financially independent by the time you're 30 years old? Um, what, what was your biggest key to success? Man, the biggest key you know, it comes down to like, if I had to put it into one and this is going to be really general, but it comes down to people. Right. And, and that can be, you can, you can look at that from a number of different standpoints. Obviously, if I'm trying to grow a company the, there's people, that's my end user. That's who I'm marketing to. That's who I'm selling. That's who I'm serving. Uh, when I'm staffing up, that's also people, right. Uh, you know, in the last year we've done a lot of just getting our, our executive team in place. And that's like, you know, a whole new level of people. It's not just normal, I need someone to, to do this task. It's like, I need someone to help me plan and strategize. So uh, people has been a huge thing for me. And I think, you know, for, for me growing up in Alaska, um, it's a pretty unpopulated state. So the entire state, it was 700,000 people. And so I've had this different viewpoint on people because there wasn't that many of them. Like it wasn't like you can go to LA or Miami or, you know, New York, Chicago, or all these metropolis kind of areas, we didn't have that up there. Anchorage was the biggest city. We had 300,000 people in it. And that's, you know, almost half the state in one location. Um, so the idea for me was that I needed to go find people. I needed to leave and go find people. And so that was something that I think not everyone always gets because we grow up, you know, with the same people we went to school with. And we've got, the, you know, family that we've known all of our lives. And sometimes we kind of keep with the same crew. When you're growing, you know, that can be a hindrance, not to say you won't have some loyal buddies, but you're going to have, you have to reach out and get new people in your life. And, and the best way to do that, I think, is through business ownership. If you really get that, you can get in front of and talk to a lot of people. How do you define the word success? So success for me is the achievement of what I set out to do, uh, whatever that might be. And, and that's also not a, a one-time event. You know, there always has to be the next game. And so I'll have big games like, you know, things that, you know, I might not ever achieve them my entire life, but I'm sure it's all going to try. Right. And I've got, you know, stuff that this week and today I've got to get done. And so, you know, it's it's that did I did I set out to do it? and Did I get it done? And if I did that success. So by that definition, which I 100 percent agree with, because that, in fact, is the literal definition of success. Most people who ask on this show never do that. Uh, but mm. by that definition, do you consider yourself to be a successful person. I do. You know, I had this realization. Uh, I think this was in 2019, right? Like, you know, I, I was sitting there and I was like working on my business and doing some personal development stuff. And I realized like literally at that point in my life, everything I had decided to do, I'd done. 
Um, you know, and, and what happens as an entrepreneur, you probably see this too, Jason, is we get like, we get these times where it doesn't go quite right or the setback happens or the whatever happens Mm -hmm. and we can dwell on those, right? Like, and it's never not going to happen. Like I, I'm 30, I've got another good 50 years of life left. At least there's going to be a ton of those things that come up, but at the end of the day, it's, did I quit? And if I didn't quit and I actually kept going and I achieved the thing, then I succeeded in the setbacks, just part of the story. So for me, that was very validating. I'm not super into the the touchy feely self-validate kind of stuff, but that was a moment where I was like, okay, cool. Like I'm still going to be hard on myself. I'm still going to push myself, but I know I have done all the things I tried to do so far. Well, congratulations on your success. So tell me about, uh, tell me a little bit about your, um, perspective on something in the 401k because i know you write about that in your book yeah and uh the 401k good idea bad idea what do you think so the 401k is interesting a lot of people think that this is like a like it's like a thing like a house like you have like this like very concrete solid thing the 401k literally is a piece of tax code that's all it is so in, in the late 1970s a guy named ted benna he created this this idea of the 401k by using IRS legislature that just said, hey, you can defer compensation. Like this is a thing that's allowed. It's called deferred compensation. So he set up the 401k plan with his own company. uh, And there was an internal thing just for his employees. Uh, Wall Street got their hands on it. And so they basically turned it into this very marketed product and they needed an exit out of pensions at the same time. Because, you know, these these larger companies, they committed to paying people income for the rest of their lives without thinking about how they were going to get the money to do that. So they looked for a, we need to be able to jump into something that puts the responsibility on the employee rather than the employer. So we went from pension to 401k. So all that backstory to, to say, basically a 401k is just a tax code. It's actually a form of trust. You can set up a trust that can be a, a pension trust, a retirement trust, a charitable trust, an estate planning trust. There's a lot of trusts out there. Uh, and so a lot of times people think of the 401k as like a financial investment and it's just that. So you got to look at what does it do, right? And so when you put money into a 401k, you're getting a tax deduction on the front end. Sounds good. Money goes into the account. But if Wall Street set that plan up, you're only able to pick what makes them money. That's the first point to realize is for the next, for me, the next 30 years, Wall Street's going to have my money. I'm not a big fan of Wall Street. When I look at all the, all the history, like it's a group of criminals uh, that that they lobby enough politicians not to get in trouble for the things that they do. Um, so I'm not really into giving them the money. And then when I pull the money out, I'm going to pay taxes. Now, here's just the simple thing I look at, Jason. If I'm 30 and let's say I pull this money out when I'm 60, do you personally think taxes are going to be higher or lower when I'm 60? Well, I guess that all depends on who we elect as our next president. <laughs> no, they're going to be higher. They're going to be higher. Yeah. And, and, and usually taxes, if you look at the compounding annual growth rate of our taxes, sure, there's up and down periods, but they increased by about 1.65% per year since 1913. So uh, we can apply that same thing and say in the future, that might be where it's at. We're borrowing more money. We have a lot of reasons taxes will go up. Now, the other factor is inflation. So inflation is going to be higher as well. So the cost of living in 30 years will be more expensive than it is today. And so what that means is I'm going to have to withdraw more money out of that account at a higher tax rate. So it's a larger dollar amount multiplied by a higher percentage of taxes. If you do the math on that, the back end taxes I pay actually tend to outweigh the deduction I get on the front ends. Mm -hmm. So moral of the story, bad idea. Bad idea. Yeah, I'm not into it. You can make it work if you self-direct it and there's some strategies you can do to take more control, but it still comes down to that. Yeah. Well, anytime the government comes up with some plan to take our money from us and let us 
quote, invest it because they're going to take care of us. It's going to be a bad idea. Social Security, 401ks, all anything the government ordains as a plan to save us money in the future is probably not a good idea. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I, you know, if we can't see that, then there's something wrong with us. What uh, Now, one of the chapters in your book, How to Create Wealth, you wrote, How Not to Pay Your Taxes and Get Away With It. What, what are you mm-hmm. talking about there? So that's just good old tax planning, right? So another thing that people don't realize, like, like, do you remember in when was this 20, 2020 or 2021, you know, and not to get political at all, this is just what happened is Trump, Trump had that thing where there's tax returns came out, people were like, he paid barely anything. Uh, and there was that big fuss about it. Really, anyone could do that, right? So the tax code, it's about five or 6,000 pages in length. Um, only about 0.50% of it has to do with the paying of taxes, which means all the rest of it is clarifications, incentives, deductions, credits, like ways to legally not pay taxes. So, you know, like an example, we have a, I own a tax firm, it's called Tax Kraken. Uh, and so we have a client in California, he brings in about $850,000 in adjusted gross income. And so he's paying a ton of tax. He's probably paying more than half of that in taxes between state and federal, right? Um, so we were able to look at his taxes and actually do a proactive tax plan. He is proactive. You got to do this in that tax year before that tax year ends. Uh, and we were able to cut his taxable income from 850,000 down to 250,000. Um, he's going to go from a two or $300,000 tax bill to maybe he'll crack six figures on the tax bill, but he's probably going to be lower than that. So it's just good tax planning, understanding the code, understanding the solutions and applying those. Yeah, this would be a, a good time to plug my Entrepreneur Master Series. I don't know when this episode is going to release. We're recording this in November, but uh, I do this this webinar series and I bring on experts to talk about different things. And my one on January the 11th is going to be how five strategies to not pay taxes that you don't owe the government. Because I, mm-hmm. I 100%, Jerry, I'm with you. I mean, I believe, we, you know, there's this lot of talk and news and politics about fair share. And, mm-hmm. and usually it's the left telling the right, they got to pay their fair share or the, the rich or the, you know, the poor telling the rich or what, whatever it is. It's, it's always one group against the other telling, hey, you got to pay your fair share. Well, the reality is if we want to look at what paying the fair share means is, is really only what is required and not a mm-hmm. cent more. And as you said, most of the tax code is designed to show us as business owners how not to pay taxes like there are ways and they're not loopholes. It's, it's a legal what remedy to an issue. And if you don't, if you overpay the taxes, they ain't going to give it back. Like I, I'm a walking example of that. I overpaid the state of Tennessee $90,000 in sales tax a couple, well, not couple, several years ago. And we've been trying to get that back ever since and they won't give it back to us. So you don't pay more than you should. Hmm. Well, uh, so Jerry, tell me a little bit about Wealth Dynamics as a firm and what you guys specialize in. Yeah, so we uh, we focus on three really big things. I would say maybe, maybe four really big things with people. The first one is financial education, you know, um, and you mentioned with your webinar series and, and the masterclass, like that's one that never leaves you. Like, you know, it, like the gym, like I can't be like, I already worked out. Like we have, yeah, but I need to do it again tomorrow, right? So especially as you grow your income and as you grow your net worth, the necessity for financial education increases. And the fact is we were never taught any of it. So we spent a lot of time teaching people about not just the basics, but you know, how does, how does money actually work? How did the top 1% build wealth? What are the historical strategies that we can use that actually do, you know, have better, better results than what we're seeing with banks and wall street and IRS. So that's a big part. The second one is solvency. Um, you know, a lot of people skip this step. 
you know, especially as business owners, like we don't always tend to get our financial houses organized. Um, and so it's important to have, you know, reserves. It's important to have your liabilities covered. It's important not to have, you know, debt that doesn't pay you. I just look at that as consumer debt. Um, you know, it's important to have that basis and that foundation. And so we walk with people and get them through that. Um, you know, and the third one is then just achieving greater financial freedom. So we help with everything from, you know, life insurance to tax planning to investing, uh, you know, setting up trust, setting up estate plans, uh, you know, working with people and actually building real wealth, uh, but not doing it through the retail means. So we're not working with banks. We're not working with Wall Street. Uh, we're not giving money to the IRS. Um, and that's really one of the main things we focus on. Our fourth thing is we want people to share the truth about money with others. You know, and, and that's why I love this podcast and, and what you're doing is that's what you're doing is like you get to the top and this has always been my philosophy. It's like you've got to tell other people how to get there. Like, I mean, I technically, I guess you don't have to, but it's the right thing. You know, like why, why not tell other people if you know this stuff? And so that's part of what we do as well. I love it. So uh, financial freedom, that's a weird phrase because I think a lot it's th it's tossed around a lot. Financial mm -hmm. freedom, financial independence, et cetera. How do you define that phrase? Yeah. So this is one that I, I had to look at because I hear it so often. And so we help people achieve greater financial freedom. And I look at that as a gradient scale. There's more or less. Right. So certain financial behaviors are going to restrict me financially. Certain behaviors are going to uh, give me less limitations in my life. Um, and so the greater of that would be like, you know, finances are a means to an end. So if I want to live abundantly and prosperously, it's going to take money to do that. And that's like, can I do something without thinking about money? And to the degree that I can, I'm financially free. And it's so it's free from having to think about finances. You know, you could achieve the same thing with being homeless, but you don't have all the same freedoms in life. So the idea is if I do that through abundance, if I want to eat organic, for me, there was a point in my life where I couldn't. Now I can. I don't have to think about the cost of that. You know, uh, I'm not at the point where I could fly private yet. If I wanted to, I would think about that cost. And that means that to that degree, I'm not financially free yet. So that's kind of my definition of that. And financial independence um, loosely defined as having passive income that exceeds your needs on a month, month to month basis. And, and according to what I talked about the, in the intro is that you and Lexi have achieved that before you turn 30. And, you know, how many how many young people in their 20s, you know, they're struggle, struggle, struggle. But you figured it out. How, how do you think you figured it out? What was the what was the secret to figuring that out? You know, I had to go study old dead successful people is what it came down to. Um, I did a, a lot of studying. I mean, so I was a financial advisor, right? And I got all the licenses and I passed all the tests. And all of that told me that the government said I knew about money and finances. And I was allowed to give advice and, and sell different products and services. Um, there were certain times I would meet with people where they were already financially independent. Um, and they had no interest in what I was offering. They didn't want the mutual funds. You know, they didn't want the annuity and, and oftentimes they understood it better than I was trying to explain it to them. And so I, it only took a couple of those times before I was like, okay, what, like, what are they doing? Like, I need to figure out, cause again, something is missing. And so I need to go figure it out if they can do it, I can do it. Kind of like I said at the very beginning here. So, you know, I spent years like reading biographies of people like, you know, John Rockefeller, uh, Andrew Carnegie, uh, JP Morgan you know, uh, the Vanderbilts, learning about banking, learning about, you know, like old money practices and habits. And I started to see some commonalities. And like you said, there's business, there's real estate, there's life insurance. The life insurance one is the funniest. I was a Dave Ramsey guy. So I thought whole life insurance was the actual devil. 
Uh, you're in Tennessee, so you know exactly what I mean. So I was an endorsed local provider for investing in like eight states. Really? Oh, not, not anymore. Kidding. Not anymore. <laughs> the first time I saw a correctly designed whole life insurance policy, I was like, you're shitting me. Like I was looking at an actual unicorn. I was like, there's no way this is real. Uh, but the, the ironic thing with that is when you study like who invests in that, the number one owner and purchaser of that type of life insurance are the largest banks in America. Right. So you start looking at this stuff. That's how I figured it out was just studying successful people. But they were my requirement was they had to be old, established and preferably dead. So I don't study Elon Musk because he might still mess it up. Right. I love Jeff Bezos, but he's still got, you know, another 20 years. We'll see what happens. I can go learn from somebody like Rockefeller because that story's done and told. And I can see from point A to point Z and all the details in between. Um, so that was a big part. And a lot of that too was also sequence and timing. Like when do you do certain things just cause it's a good idea. doesn't mean I should do it right now. And that's a, a big focus of what we teach our clients too. Well, so wealth dynamics and that's uh, spelled W E A L T H D Y N A M X. So wealth dynamics. Uh, so Jerry, if people are listening to this show and they're like, I like this guy, man, this guy's got it figured out. I'd like, to, I'd like to connect with him. How would they best connect with you? So you can go to our website, wealthdynamics.com. If you're on social, we're probably, we're on all of them. We're the most active on TikTok um, and probably Instagram. So if you just find me, uh, Jerry Feta, um, just my first and last name on, on TikTok, talking on Instagram, uh, and you can connect, connect with me there. We're good at messaging back. So if you, you know, like a video, you comment, you message, we'll usually hit you back and answer your questions. So is your Instagram handle just Jerry Feta? Just spell it all out? Yeah. All right. Yeah, just so my name. J-E-R-R-Y-F-E-T-T-A. So Jerry yeah. Feta, go look Jerry Feta up on TikTok and Instagram. You can check out Wealth Dynamics and that's D-Y-N-A-M-X.com. Go check him out there. So Jerry, as we as we finish up the show, I like I like to give you as the guest the final word to give some advice or pep talk to the entrepreneurs out there that are in the struggle. They're trying to figure it out. You figured it out. You know, so many people have figured it out, but they haven't. What's your word of advice or tip to them? Yeah, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, like I I meet with people sometimes that are 50, 60 years old, they're business owners, right? And the company has been the main asset. And if you're, especially my age, it's going to be for a while. It's always going to be a thing. And you're always going to have that there. Um, plan for other assets, like take, take money from the company, put that into real estate, put that into different things and not saying don't invest and don't put money into marketing, but you should have a percentage of profit that goes aside for that stuff. And, and what that does is it gives you the ability to, you know, have some, some other sources of wealth and income. But what I've realized too, is it gives you the ability to really be creative in your company like the power you have when you don't have to do something for money, you can just be creative because you want to. You can just grow your business because it's your passion. Um, you know, I, I'd never heard that talked about until I started to experience it. And it was like, it's a freedom. You know, it's another degree of financial freedom. So that would be my pep talk is build that and get there because that's an amazing place to be. I love it. Well, Jerry, thank you for being on the show, man. It's been an honor to meet you. We need to get together sometime and smoke a cigar. And, uh, and talk a little bit more about money. So thanks for being on the show today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Well, there you have it. Another very successful entrepreneur about his journey to success. And even though at 30 years old, even as young as that is, look how much success this guy's achieved. He and his wife, Lexi, 
financial independence by the time they're 30. He's continuing to help people all over the country build and maintain wealth and spend it the right way. He's written two books. You ought to check those books. Well, actually, three. We learned about the third one on the show today. Uh, the Blueprint to Financial Freedom, How to Create Wealth, and then The Big Three Challenge, which is a financial journal, which I really like that concept where you ask yourself these three questions every single day about your finances. But I, I want you to pay attention to what he said. One of the keys to success that he shared on the show today was people. And he talked about growing up in Alaska with only 700,000 people in that state, living in the city of, you know, close to 300,000. Just there weren't as many people he had access to as there are in Chicago or New York or L.A. or Miami. People is one of the main keys to success. And if you hear if you've listened to the show, you're a faithful listener, you know, there are five keys to success. And that third one that I talk about is people knowing the right people. And you can see in his story, knowing those right people, his his bodybuilder, his trainer. Hey, you ought to get into the financial business changed his life forever. I want you to go check out Wealth Dynamics. Check out Jerry Feta on uh, TikTok and Instagram, Jerry Feta. That's F-E-T-T-A. But uh, people like this are what make this show so interesting. And I love doing this show. But thank you for tuning in. If you haven't subscribed to the show, please go do that. And remember, this is on YouTube and it's on every podcast player out there. We're proud to be syndicated by the C-Suite Radio Network. So big shout out to those guys. And I thank you for listening. I appreciate you leaving reviews and subscribing. It means a lot to me and it pushes us further up in the algorithm so that we can get more people to listen to the show and hear these phenomenal stories about success. So please tune in again next week when I talk with yet another very successful entrepreneur about his or her journey to success. And until then, I'm the real Jason Duncan and Jesus is King. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with The Real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Follow Jason on social media at The Real Jason Duncan. Are you an entrepreneur who feels trapped in the weeds of daily operations, not experiencing the freedom you thought you'd have as a business owner? Want to know the way out? Take Jason's free exit readiness assessment to see how close you are to getting ready to experience true freedom and success as an entrepreneur. Go to amireadytoexit.com today. That's amireadytoexit.com. See you again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.